Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 91, my friend. Back in the saddle again. Back in the saddle. And we're starting to see movies come on a little more regular basis, Adam. Nature is healing. <laughs> I've been in the theater twice this week, so have you. Yes. And I'm looking to go back more this weekend. It feels like my old self again. I am too. This is great. I'm excited, man. There's a pipeline of content finally coming. We got lots of releases lining up. We're going to have a full summer of movies. Yep. Things that have been delayed. I mean... I feel like we've been seeing the Top Gun 2 trailer now for three years. <laughs> and that movie is next month. It's no way. Is it, it's actually coming to the theater, huh? <laughs> Absent some kind of world event. World War Three, COVID-4. We, we, something might delay it again. But no, it, it's finally coming. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time, this is our 91st episode, not <laughs> counting spoiler cast right. and film festival coverage and all the other stuff that we do, you know? Uh, what is the Film Coterie, Adam? We are a general podcast about movies we see as much as we can. Uh, Roger and I have very diverse tastes. We try to take it all in. We share what we talk about. This podcast started as the two of us, along with some other friends, just talking outside of a theater. Yeah. Usually after the movie, and it's it's grown into this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a couple films we're going to talk about. One we're going to feature and one we're going to mention. Uh, one has real magic and the other does not. <laughs> That's that's pretty sharp there, Adam. I have to I have to good call, man. <laughs> and the first one has magic of some kind, whether it's real or not, is to be determined. And that's the Secrets of Dumbledore, the Fantastic Beasts. Is this like film three, four, film five? Film number three okay. out of a proposed five. They all just kind of run together as one big film. Yeah, we're we're gonna have an interesting talk on that one. So, yeah, but before we jump into that one, and then then our feature film for tonight is a little film that maybe many of you have not even heard of. It's called Everything Everywhere All at Once, and uh, great film. I'm excited to talk about it. So, but before we get into that, man, like you said, we've got films. I mean, stuff on the slate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were been in the theater twice this week. Man, it just feels good. It feels like movies are coming back, aren't they? Well, yeah. I mean, we have The Northman next week. This yes. is a movie Roger and I have both been looking forward to. And it, it just seems like uh, right before the pandemic, we just seen The Lighthouse. So in, in some ways, this kind of feels like a bookend. Yeah. That we're on the cusp of a new Robert Eggers film. Yeah. And I love, he's he's such a great director and and just love his commitment to whatever project he tackles himself to. You know that he's in 100%, yes. you know? Which is which is awesome, and so I'm excited. I, probably our next podcast will be the Northman next yep. week. So, very excited about that. Well, why don't we jump in and talk a little bit about Fantastic Beasts, the Secrets of Dumbledore? Before we do that, let's listen in a little bit to old Fantastic Beasts. Let's see what the kids are up to. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. Memory is everything. Without it, we are blind. Without it, we leave the fate of our world to chance. I'm sorry to disturb you, Albus, but I've just received troubling news. Tell me, what is it? It's Grindelwald. The time is closed, my brothers and sisters. Our war with the Muggles begins! 
Today! The world as we know it is coming undone. If we're to defeat him, you'll have to trust me. Mr. Kowalski, we need you. I said I want an out and I want out. Ah! You do know I'm a witch, right? Dumbledore asked that I give you something, Jacob. All right, and we're back, and that was a little taste of Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore. This is, like you said, Adam, the third film, and this is how IMDb would describe this film. Albus Dumbledore signs Newt and his allies with a mission related to the rising power of Grindelwald. That's one way to describe it. <laughs> Directed by David Yates, written by J.K. Rowling and Stephen Clovis, and stars Eddie Redman, Jude Law, and Ezra Miller. Yay, team. So, Roger and I have been kind of hemming and hawing about how to handle this, because we do not trash movies generally. If you've listened to yes. us, you know us. We don't do worst of lists. We are always looking for the good in the project. Yes. Want something to praise, but this movie makes that hard. Um, we're not going to trash it. We're going to walk through it, try to give you a straightforward analysis of it. But at the same time, we, we will probably take some playful jabs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, you know, you and I have both seen this movie and I still don't know what the secrets of Dumbledore are. And just like the last one, what were the crimes of Grindelwald? I don't know what those were. This is actually the third Grindelwald to, to yeah. actor to play Grindelwald. In so the that, third film. In the third film. So that doesn't help things, but some of that can't be, I guess, you know. And you have to wonder, because there's a, a horse, a little horse at play in this movie that dies, and you have to wonder, wonder at any point, did they realize the irony in that they're beating a dead horse in this film? <laughs> Literally. I Yes, exactly right, you know. And, and there's just, there's, you know... Oh, there's just so many things that are wrong with this film. So if you just literally want to see pretty things that look somewhat like a Harry Potter world, you're going to get that. But, but browner. But, Everything's brown. Well, yeah, oranges and browns. A lot of orange and brown. Um, but, you know, you really don't. I mean, Newt Scamander, what, why is he even in this film? He does nothing. He contributes not anything to this film that I know of, you know? And... You know, why not just make a trilogy that is Dumbledore versus Grindelwald, you know? Because that's how Dumbledore became famous. That's the lore, you know? Just make that. But they're they're doing, they're attempting to do that, but they're putting this, you know, fantastic beast shell over top of it, you know? And, I mean, maybe we should kind of talk about our own backgrounds with Harry Potter because I've not read the books. I've seen all the movies. I've enjoyed the films. Yes. You know, the original yeah. series. I saw them all in theaters. These aren't films that I may rewatch all the time, but I, I generally enjoyed them as I experienced them. Um, and then, you know, I was surrounded by friends and family members that were Harry Potter fans. As we've moved on into this Fantastic Beast saga, I haven't seen anywhere near close the affection right. for Fantastic Beasts from my friends and family that were into Harry Potter. And the same thing with The Cursed Child you know, that play sequel that she put yeah. out. Um, and this is just an anecdotal analysis, but when Roger and I were going to a screening, we were allowed to bring guests and we reached out to Harry Potter fans that we knew who had seen the other two Fantastic Beasts. They seen all the Harry Potters and really no one wanted to go with us. 
Yeah. There was no interest even yeah, in a free no screening. Inter- no interest. And, you know, my background is somewhat similar. I've read, only I've read all the books. And um, I think there's real magic in the first three books. And then it starts to wane as it goes, you know, toward the end for me, just for me. Um, but I thought the, the movies were fine, you know. I actually loved the third film, Prisoner of Azkaban, Um Alfonso Cuaron directed it, and it's by far, to me, the standout film of the eight or nine or how many they ended up doing. Um, so, yeah, I, I have no, I, I, you know, my kids learned to read reading Harry Potter books, and they loved those books, and they still love to read to this day. So I don't have any animosity that direction. There's just no, ma- there's no nostalgia, no magic. It's not the same, even the same world even though you have the same titles of characters, the same heads of magic, the same school, all the, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. I don't know how else to say it. And these are not based on books. There was one little book that JK Rowling had put out at yeah. some point, but it wasn't a novel. It wasn't any of these adventures. These are just made up as a screenplay to be these movies. And they are all are somewhat dull. Um, they don't really have any energy or momentum. They're not written like your typical big fantasy adventure kind of screenplays. Right. And they really make you scratch your head because in this film, all the set pieces are rather dull. There's no big finale, no big conclusion. There's nothing building. And for the first hour of this movie, the characters are supposed to confuse Grindelwald with what they're doing, but all they're doing is confusing the audience. And the audience is wondering... <laughs> What's going on? What's what's even going to happen oh, in yeah. this film? Yeah, I, I exactly. The first hour that I sat and watched it, I had no clue what was going on. And then as I'm watching them, I'm slowly remembering, okay, you know, yeah, okay, that's right. That person interacted with somebody, I think, in one of the first two. And then one of the characters now has a mysterious illness and is has an impending death. And I was like, where did that come from? That's just like out of left field. And, you know, it's, it's, I told somebody, I said, it's like they had five or six ideas and they said, you know, with these five or six ideas will really connect with our fan base. And they just threw them on a wall and they said, now, how do we tie them together? And there was no real cohesiveness. You know, there was no beginning, middle and end. It was just kind of a bunch of rambling. And then it all wrapped up at a secret castle, you know, a secret palace somewhere in the sky kind of thing. With an election. Yeah, with an uh, with a political election, you know. Yeah, and Ugh. they're even doing things now worse. Any of the duels between the wizards is just downright dull. There's no new visual language. They can't make any of the fights exciting. You know these characters aren't going to die or get wounded or anything else. And what's even weirder in this film, thinking about it, a lot of these fights happen in an alternate dimension or in their heads or it's never quite clear. It's so The two unclear. biggest fights in this film all seem like they happen outside of reality. Yeah, it's like it goes to black and white and they're in the underworld or something. Yeah, or inside of a mirror. So the stakes don't feel like they amount to anything. Yeah. So. Ever. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want, like I said, even though they they spent time beating a dead horse, I don't think we should. <laughs> but, you know, I... Well, let's talk. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen's new to this, and what he does is good. I mean, yes. it's not, yeah. you know, the writing isn't really there for him, but it's a very solid performance. He's menacing. He's charismatic. He's the best Grindelwald by far, but the material is just not there to meet his, meet his performance. Right. And Jude Law's still good as Dumbledore. He's charming and, and fun, but again, the material's not there. Yeah. 
it's like you have good ingredients, but it's you're not able to to make the bread the way it should be made, you know? Um, yeah, and it's, so it was just a disappointment for me. Now, I will say, in our office, there's a, a guy and his family, and they love the Fantastic Beasts films. So great. I hope there's an audience out there for them, but... You know, I think it's for me. I'm I'm just gonna start taking a pass. I've you know, well, and Warner Brothers might be as well. There's reports out that they're pumping the brakes. They aren't gonna greenlight the fourth and fifth one until they see how this one does. That they're they're concerned as well. Yeah. And there's behind the scenes drama with J.K. Rowling and Ezra Miller and all kinds of other stuff that they have to take into account. But there may not be more after this, and if so. You know, there could be fans that are disappointed because this does nothing to wrap it up. It's a middle chapter. Yeah. Um, doesn't end very differently from where it begins and, and things that are just not resolved. And, and many questions that fans may want answered or things they want to see have not happened in three movies. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I thought to, I was thinking about this film and I thought if they just removed this film and we went from the first two to the fourth one. I don't think you would need to really no. explain anything. Nothing of consequence happens. No, it just you know? ends up right where it began for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and right now, as you're probably aware, we, we're having a, a deluge of films that are coming out and are soon to come out. I had two people ask me this week, what should they see in theaters? And you look out there and we have, you know, everything everywhere all at once, the Batman, Ambulance, Duel, we have a lot of interesting stuff out there. And oh, I just yeah. had to tell that person, see anything but the secrets of Dumbledore and you'll probably yeah. be entertained. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for that film. Let's take a quick break and we'll listen in a little bit to everything, everywhere, all at once. You're listening to The Film Coterie. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now, you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. All right, we are back, and now we are going to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. It's a big title and a bigger movie. Yes. It seems like the multiverse is everywhere now. We've seen it in comic book <laughs> movies. We've seen it on television with all yep. the, the DC TV. And now we have it in a little indie film. And when I say little, I shouldn't even say little. This film may take place in an office building, but it's massive in scope and everything it's trying to handle. Oh, yeah. This is a film by the Daniels. Yeah. If you're not familiar with them, uh, it's Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan. Their last movie together was Swiss Army Man, which was a strange film. And when it worked, like it worked for me, it worked like yeah. gangbusters. It had a third Daniel in it, Daniel Radcliffe. Yes, as a corpse. <laughs> as a corpse. And then Paul Dano, for, who was the Riddler in oh, Batman, yeah. was also yeah. in Swiss Army Paul Man. Daniel. And then Daniel Scheinert, Paul on Dano, his own, I mean, yeah. did uh, The Death of Dick Long which is another unusual movie that just kind of <laughs> furls out before your eyes and you never know which way that film is going, but that was a lot of fun too. So so these guys, Adam, they're good buddies, great friends, and they just decided we're going to direct and write films together, right? Right. And they're in, they do films, like you said, they're kind of quirky, maybe absurd, maybe dark humor. 
you know, how would you describe these other, if somebody has no idea what this, what they're walking into, how would you describe these films? Well, uh, quirky is always the word I would start with, but the, the important thing and why it all works is that these filmmakers are very earnest. They wear their heart on their sleeves. The films generally have a lot of heart and they believe in what they're doing and they're not trying to do it just to be quirky. Um, it makes the material work because all this material, everything they ever touched, if it wasn't handled in the right way, with the right tone, with the right presentation, it would just spiral out of control and be a right. mess. I, I think I would say they are 100% committed and honest in, in their delivery and believing as absurd as this premise is, they believe in it 100%. And they spent a long time on the screenplay. They really wanted it to work. They struggled with it for the longest time because here's the interesting thing about everything everywhere all at once. We need to abbreviate that somehow, but it's a family drama. This yeah. would be a good film without the metaverse. If you just made about a film about this family that ran the laundromat yes. and the, the struggles between the generations, if the whole movie was in one universe, <laughs> it was just the family drama. It would be a good movie. Yes. And then they bring in this matrix level. You're not going to believe <laughs> what happens in the next scene. And it just escalates and builds. Yes. And it, it really works, you know, meshing the two. And, and that's the surprising thing is that, you know, this film, if you can go in cold, I would say go in cold. I agree 100%. But we got to tell you a little bit about it because we want you to see it. So <laughs> so in the review. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So it's, it's funny because I told I told the family, they asked what we went and watched. And I said, everything, everywhere, all at once. I think I've called it nine different things, but it actually is everywhere, everything everything everywhere all at once and they're like what's that about and i'm like what well, just watch the trailer so i put on the youtube went to the trailer and tori and Rhonda were like my daughter and my wife were like this looks awful weird <laughs> and zach is just busting out laughing He's just laughing through the whole trailer like, oh, my God, I bet this film is hilarious, you know. So it, some people it's just going to hit and completely miss right. with. But for me, and I think for you too, Adam, I have not laughed that hard in a theater in a long, long time. And we were, I don't know, dozen people on a small screen screening where we saw it. A lot of them were laughing pretty hard too. This, and I don't say this lightly, but this is why you go to the movies is a film like this. This right. is a discovery you'd find at a film festival because to someone that's going to see it and be too young to see it when they experience it, it's going to make future filmmakers. You know, I think back to Brazil and some other Gonzo movies that I saw when I was too young. And that's what really put the love of it in me that, you know, I think there's going to be some teenagers and younger people that stumble across this movie and just have their minds blown by what's accomplished in the story and realize that you can do something like this yeah, and go this crazy with an idea and execute it that well. And it is, it is executed greatly. And the premise, I, you know, we've got to give you, how much do we talk about it? I mean, maybe we ought to give them a little bit of the premise, right? I mean, it's basically a, a, a family that owns a, owns a dry cleaning, owns a laundromat going through the every days of life. Um, I think they're, they're Chinese family or Asian mm -hmm. family and um, Michelle Yeoh is in it. And uh, uh, the, the, the tell him about the husband, uh, Kei Hu Kwan, because he's going to look his, familiar his and sound familiar to yes. you. <laughs> Ages ago when Roger and I were both much younger, 
Uh, this guy played both Data from Goonies and Short Round from Temple of Doom. And then he kind of left Hollywood and this project brought him back. And he's absolutely fantastic in it. He's the heart of the movie. Yes. It's just the, a husband that wants to keep his family together no matter what and realizes that love is not a weakness, it's a strength. So in this film, Michelle Yeoh is the lead and this is just the perfect vehicle for her because it, it shows off her acting chops with all the drama, but at the same time, she gets plenty of action scenes where right. she can also show that she's a great physical actress. Yep. And she's the, you know, she's a mother. She's overworked. <clears throat> she stretched herself too thin with all these projects. She's lost all her patience with her family. <laughs> you she, know? she feels like she doesn't matter. She feels like nothing matters. And then suddenly she's told from a husband from another universe that she's one of the most important people in the universe that it's up to her to save anything and that they're everything. And there's this multiverse and you're able to link up to one of your other selves and learn the skills. So for example, in combat, if she can do something to link up to a universe where she's a sushi chef, she can suddenly have great knife skills or a gymnast or a Kung Fu artist. And she can suddenly right. have those skills just like in matrix with downloading. Yeah. And the problem that of doing that though, is every time you connect with a alternate path of yourself in another universe, it slowly begins to fracture your mind until most people just, their mind just b breaks. Right. You, you keep going back and forth between the universes. The, the explanation they use in the movie is that my jar is leaking. I think that they talk yeah. about your, your brain being a leaking jar. And so it becomes a great vehicle to show what, what her life would have been like if she'd have just made one different choice how it goes in radically a million different places, you know? And then it also brings in the uh, nature versus nurture because uh, what if the planet would have evolved a little differently, you know, then you might physically be a little different, you know? And so it brings in some good humor with some of that. And I won't get into those details, but um, and, I really love this film. And we I, can say this, a lot of the humor comes from how you link. Um, yes. For instance, you have to do something that you wouldn't normally do that it's so statistically unlikely anything you would have done that it's going to trigger the link. It'd be like eating gum from underneath the bench, giving yourself paper cuts between your fingers, things like that, that people are doing. Right. And it's not just them. It's the villains that are all doing these absurd things. Yeah. And it's, and it's almost like the farther the link is away from you, the more absurd the thing you have to do to connect with it. And so they do some pretty funny and absurd and crazy things. Yeah. So what the movie does really well is it, it establishes that there's a conflict on this massive scale. The universe and all the multiverse needs to be saved. But then it moves inward towards the family dynamic. It's really the family that needs to be saved here. And there's interpersonal drama and everything between the characters. And, and it, it doesn't lose sight of anything. It somehow balances out throughout. And the family stuff, I thought, all really worked. Yep. I and the too. message at the end, too, that, you know, love conquers all may seem cheesy. But this movie believed in it so much that it, it really delivers on that. Yeah. And and the original universe that, that uh, Evelyn Wang or the Michelle Yeoh, the Michelle Yeoh character plays, um, the villain in that universe is the IRS agent and the tax person who is none other than Jamie Lee Curtis. She's <laughs> taking a role you would not expect her to take. Oh, my gosh. She's just a morphing sort of big bad throughout. Yeah. But she's obviously having fun in the role. She's not the lead. She's just... Per you know, performing in a great supporting role here and, and having fun with it. Yep, absolutely. So 
big fan of this film. Loved it. Uh, laughed at it. Uh, it'll be in my collection when it's available. Um, I don't know. I, I think Zach will love it. I don't know if Tori or Rhonda will ever want to watch it, but yeah, I really, really like this film. And I would write if you, if you like, if you like something outside the box, not your just everyday run of the mill movie, you know, this is for you. And I know it's a long shot. It may have come out too early in the year. But I honestly would like to see Michelle Yeoh get nominated for this project. I think she's that good in that in this film. Yeah, but man, it's March. It's, it, it's know, March. April. It's too weird potentially for the Academy. Yeah. I, I, I agree hundred percent. This is the best thing one of the best things she's done in her career, and it's really just a celebration of, of her career. Yeah. And I, I hope I would like to see her nominated for it, but we'll see. So it sounds like two thumbs up for us for everything, everywhere, all at once, Adam. Absolutely. Two and uh, we couldn't have had more different movies because, you know, with Fantastic Beasts 3, we're walking out drained. It wasn't a great experience. And, you know, and it was it was a hard sit. And we walk out of this one and there's just life put into you from this film. You have yes. a great time with it. Oh, yeah. And I, like I said, I, I'm not trying to oversell this. I don't want to create a lot of hype. But this is the type of movie that just feels great to discover at a theater. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, let's take a quick break, come back, and we'll wrap up our show today talking about our thoughts and anticipation for The Northman. Uh, you're listening to The Film Coterie. All right, and we're back. And uh, Adam, what do we got going on? We got some great films coming to the theater over the next few weeks. What do we got to look forward to? Well, as we already mentioned, we're both excited to see The Northman uh, next week. And someone was wise enough to give $90 million to Robert Eggers to go make a, a Viking epic, which is insane, but it's going to pay off, I believe. And then around the corner after that, we have uh, Doctor Strange and the surprise, surprise, the multiverse, multiverse of madness. Yeah. We're not done with multiverses yet. No, we are not. And I just have to be excited about that as a film fan because that is Sam Raimi coming back after, you know, an absence of some time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, I, I'm excited for Doctor Strange, but I am way, I can't believe this, I am so pumped for The Northman. I love Robert Eggers. Ever since you talked me into watching The Witch back in the day, I was like, wow. Yep. And uh, I loved The Lighthouse, loved the Cthulhu mystery black and white and just crazy paranoia just loved it you know kind of a deal and you know i i've seen some articles and different things coming out and he is trying to do a viking film unlike any that's ever been done he has literally spent countless hours researching the mythology the the embrace of religion and all of the craziness you know the belief system that they had and it's all going to be out there. I mean, it's it's going to be. He, I, I just can't wait to go see this film. Oh, his other two films were as almost as immersive as you can get. He draws you into those worlds, and and just builds from there. You know, it, it's always presentation first with him, and it's always stellar. Yeah, and we're getting a great cast again. Alexander Skarsgård, oh, yeah. Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor Joy. I mean, Willem Dafoe is back. I mean, you're just, oh, I just cannot wait. It's going to be great film, and I can't wait to 
you know, I'm trying not to hype myself up too much, but as you can tell, I'm pretty excited to see it. <laughs> and, you know, it's exciting. I mean, he's just one of those filmmakers that's come out in the last couple of years where you're excited about everything he makes. We were talking about this a little bit off air with, you know, you have Eggers. For me, you have Ari Aster who did Hereditary and Midsummer. You know, I can't wait for what's next for him. Yeah. And then Jordan Peele. We have Nope. Oh, cannot wait for Nope. Just around the corner. Yep. I, I, I you know, uh, when a filmmaker is 100% committed, I'm in, whether I like the film or not, you know, I'm going to go see what they have to say. So anyway, how can folks find us? If you're happen to stumble across this podcast, you're riding in the car with your buddy and he's playing our podcast. And you're <laughs> like, this is a great podcast. How do I download this podcast? Well, you've already typed their name once. You just have to do it again. We're <laughs> film coterie and our handle is at film coterie on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and anywhere else you can find us. We're hosted all over the place for our podcast. Yep. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. We'll see you next time with, hopefully, The Northman. Fate has no mercy.